Listener Production. Hello, welcome to The Briefing. It's Thursday, the 11th of November. In this episode, let's go Brandon. Have you heard about this anti-Biden meme that's been blowing up in America? Brandon, you also told me, as you can hear the chants from the, the crowd. Let's go, Brandon. So that NASCAR crowd was actually chanting F Joe Biden. And in this episode, we're going to explain how this moment spawned the Let's Go Brandon phrase, which has now made its way into politics the iTunes charts, YouTube's band list, Trump merchandise, and a rogue flight announcement. That made a big bang in US politics. Let's go, Brandon, and why it doesn't seem to be going away. That is our deep dive briefing topic in just a moment. First, Jan Fran is here to bring you today's headlines. Hello, Tom. We are starting with some climate news today, and the Glasgow Summit has given Australia... I want to say some challenging homework, but I think it's given us some more challenging homework. Yeah, so the COP26 Climate Change Summit is still going. It's going to wrap up very soon. And they've decided, and this is after our Prime Minister left last week, that countries like Australia that haven't updated their plans to cut emissions by 2030 could be made to do so by the end of next year. We do want to get to the point uh, at the end of Glasgow where we can say with credibility that we have kept 1.5 within reach. We are looking for an ambitious outcome and that is a consistent message that I'm delivering to all parties. That was Summit President Alok Sharma speaking there uh, from the BBC. The call has been made in a draft paper that was released by the conference and this paper is one that will guide final negotiations as the two-week summit wraps up in the coming days. Yeah, so what they're expected to put in this paper is an expectation that countries by the end of 2022 will bring more ambitious targets to the table. So that'll put pressure on us because we took a plan of a 26 to 28% cut to emissions by 2030, but that has been in place since 2015. And other countries like the UK are aiming to more than double that. And the US is aiming for 50% by 2030. So it's an interesting one, Jan. It could push this tricky decision till after the next election for Scott Morrison. So in a sense, it might actually work okay for him. Yeah, I mean, the rhetoric around um, COP26 prior to it has been hitting net zero emissions by 2050, which Australia did in the nick of time, just days before we were supposed to go to the summit. Now it seems to have changed to 2030 with scientists saying that that 2050 goal is not enough. Now, 2050 caused a massive headache for Scott Morrison. I would hate to see the shit show that unfolds in Australian politics talking about cutting emissions further by 2030. We're a reluctant country and we like our coal. And there's been a very dramatic arrest on the New South Wales-Queensland border. Mustafa Balouche, who's accused of financing a $270 million cocaine shipment, had been on the run for more than two weeks. He'd cut off his ankle bracelet while on bail. Anyway, he was caught inside a car, inside a shipping container that was on the back of a truck trying to cross into Queensland. There was a knock on the side of the truck and he knocked back. So uh, he was a bit shocked when we found him. Yep, bit shocked. That was organised crime squad commander Robert Critchlow speaking to the media there after the arrest. Now, police say that the 33-year-old was quote-unquote desperate to leave Australia. Um, He cut off his ankle monitor and fled just days after he was granted bail. Yeah, and his family's $4 million home on the northern beaches of Sydney was put up as security for that bail, which he breached. So police have seized that home. And the New South Wales government 
is now asking for a review of the way bail laws are implemented in New South Wales. And residents in New South Wales and southern Queensland are being warned to look out for flooding as a record-breaking rain band moves across eastern Australia. Yeah, the SES are warning that the damage could be on a similar scale to what was seen during the March floods and the wild weather is coming from a low-pressure system moving across central Australia where it dumped 100 millimetres of rain on Uluru, um, which is rain they haven't seen there in 20 years. Yeah, the rest of the states um, and territories on the east coast-ish also haven't been spared. Just a slight warning here for the ACT, South Australia um, and Victoria. You're also expected to be impacted by the system. And the former Prime Minister, Paul Keating, has called on Australia not to intervene in any conflict over Taiwan, even if the US gets involved. Taiwan is not a vital Australian interest, you know. We do not recognise it as a sovereign state. Australia should not be drawn, in my view, into a military engagement over Taiwan, US-sponsored or otherwise. That was Paul Keating addressing uh, the National Press Club yesterday. He said that Australia was not obliged to join the US if it went to war with China over the island, um, which is a self-ruled democracy that is claimed by China. Yeah, I think there's been a growing sense that if China were to move in on Taiwan, this would be crossing some sort of line for the West. And I think Paul Keating's wanting to get out ahead of that, saying, would it really be in our interest to go to war with China over an island territory? Obviously, he thinks the answer yeah. to that is no. Well, he's also been very critical of our AUKUS submarine deal, which is, of course, the uh, billion-dollar deal that we made with the US and the UK to buy submarines from them. He said that buying the submarines, the plan to build them, would be like throwing a handful of toothpicks at a mountain when it came to China. So utterly useless is what he's saying. And the Socceroos are looking forward to um, a home crowd advantage to boost them when they play their first home game in more than two years in Sydney tonight. Home advantage is, is, is a big plus, so the boys are going to be buzzing more than anything. You know, they get to play in front of their friends and family again and, you know, a, a stadium full of fans, there's nothing better. No pressure there. That's Socceroos player Matthew Leckie uh, speaking to the ABC. Now, Australia is going to play Saudi Arabia tonight and if they win, it's going to dramatically improve the Socceroos' chance of making it to the 2022 FIFA World Cup. No excuse if they're playing before a home ground. They have to win. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Jan. In a moment, Katrina is going to join us as we explain the whole Let's Go Brandon meme. <laughs> Katrina Blouse, you really cannot tell when something's going to go viral, can you? You actually can't. I think many people try to make things viral, but the things that hmm. do, you can never pick them. It's a magical, sometimes very weird or even subversive combination of factors. <laughs> so this one that we're talking about today is when 28-year-old NASCAR driver Brandon Brown did a TV interview after his first Xfinity Series win at an Alabama race in October 2. It since became a meme and it's gone viral all over the world. Yeah, so if you listen closely to this audio, the crowd behind Brandon Brown are chanting F Joe Biden, but the reporter seems to hear something else. Brandon, you also told me, as you can hear the chants from the, the crowd, 
Let's go, Brandon. That clip took off online and the Let's Go Brandon meme was born. That's become a euphemism since then used by Conservatives, which really means F Joe Biden. So in the five weeks since the NASCAR moment, the Republicans have started using it. A pilot on Southwest Airlines finished a voiceover with the phrase and is now under investigation. Let's go Brandon. I keep a drum like I'm Nick Cannon. Hey, hey, let's go Brandon. Several musicians have released Let's Go Brandon songs, at least two of which have gone up to number one on the iTunes charts. One of those tunes, the one from Bryson Gray, was banned on YouTube because it contained pandemic-type COVID conspiracy theories. And Katrina, Donald Trump is also literally cashing in on this meme too. Yeah, selling T-shirts. So in a world where memes come and go so quickly, why isn't this one going away? And on a more serious note, what could it mean for Biden's presidency? Adam Crichton is the Washington correspondent for the Australian newspaper. Adam, why do you think this moment took off like this? Well, look, I mean, it's somewhat of a mystery why the crowd at the NASCAR race were actually chanting F. Joe Biden. I mean, certainly at the beginning of October when it happened, the president's popularity had been plummeting and that had been in the news a great deal for reasons of uh, the withdrawal of Afghanistan or the rising price of petrol, various reasons. You know, it was the clip of the reporter and whether or not she kind of misheard it and actually thought that they were saying, let's go, Brandon, or she was just being very quick-witted and she didn't want to report what they were actually saying, it's just turned into this uh, sensation when she said, you know, that it was let's go, Brandon, and it's just become more and more popular. Its growing popularity has correlated, if you like, with the declining popularity of the president and the Democrats, which I suppose really came to the fore last week when you saw those two state elections here where the Democrats both did so badly in each of them. Yeah, I think there's always a a weird, mysterious combination of things that make something go really viral and become a meme. I think for this one, one of the elements was that it was funny. Two, it sort of tapped a conspiracy theory that mainstream media is sort of running cover for the Biden administration, not scrutinising him hard enough. There was also the fact that this was a less profane way of slamming Biden, which meant people could actually use it in a public sphere So Trump's loving this, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. In fact, he was at a game recently in Atlanta. I can't remember if it was. And uh, he was there with his wife and and the crowd underneath him started spontaneously to break out into Let's Go Brandon Chance. And so so that was a news item over here, of course, because there were all these images of Trump smiling. Obviously, it's he would find it very amusing, understandably. And he's actually referred to it apparently in private speeches now that he gives in Florida to, to fundraisers. And to allies, he he also talks about the Brandon administration and says, let's go, Brandon. So, I mean, it doesn't show any signs of going away, frankly. There's something you'd expect with these sorts of memes that they'd rise and fall. Mm. But this one so far has only risen. There's, there's no falling yet. Also, let's not forget the number of songs made about it that have even hit number one in the iTunes charts. One of them was even banned on YouTube for a whole bunch of reasons. Yeah, look, the song, I mean, it's fairly profane as well, actually, but it's obviously all built around the let's go Brandon theme. In fairness, there have been you know songs about Trump from uh, 2016, rap songs as well that were equally profane. So perhaps this one was inspired by the other ones. But yeah, certainly it's you know it's inspired a lot of cultural flourishing, if you like. The one that was taken down by Bryson Gray, it was a grab bag of a whole bunch of right wing conspiracy theories from the stolen election through to the pandemic narrative, which seems to be why it was banned from YouTube. I mean, what do you make of the popularity of these Let's Go Brandon tracks? Is it showing a, a really widespread support for, for this side of politics or this worldview? 
Well, look, it certainly gives an outlet to that worldview. And unfortunately, there is still a large number of people in the US who think the election was stolen, the presidential election, including the former president, I should say, Donald Trump thinks that. He's been saying that at rallies still. Whether or not he actually thinks that is another question. But certainly, he uses it to tap into this theme, if you like, which, you know, a sizable proportion, you know, maybe 10, 15% of the country seem to support, which is a lot of people. But I think the Brandon thing now has popularity beyond that. I guess we we need to sort of show some balance here. Robert De Niro at the Tony Awards declared F Trump and he received a standing ovation from the crowd. Um, That's right. When it comes to double standards, do you think the censoring of Let's Go Brandon by platforms like YouTube and CNN is a bit hypocritical? Frankly, I think both sides of politics are just as bad as one another at the grassroots level. I mean, people swear they carry on. That's just the nature of protests and it's just that it's unfortunate for the Biden crowd, if you like, that this one has caught on and it's, you know, it's kind of spread like wildfire. A lot of people have been pointing out the comment from a CNN commentator, Joe Lockhart, who compared this sort of coded statement with stuff that's come from the Nazis and the Ku Klux Klan. So was that guy... Well, that's an example of just insanity, I think. Well, yeah. Was he just a real outlier with that view or do a lot of people share that view? And, and, And is there anything darker or more concerning about this meme than it looks on the surface? Well, look, I don't really think so. I mean, a lot of people in the US who would like to think that there's this kind of Ku Klux Klan element still, even if small in politics. But, I mean, I really think it's extremely exaggerated. I mean, we saw a good example of that just recently in the Virginia election where where these people dressed up as, as kind of modern-day Ku Klux Klan members and stood next to the campaign bus of the Republican candidate, Glenn Youngkin, who actually won the election. But the intention was to make out that, you know, the Ku Klux Klan type people supported him. I mean, it came to to light that it was a fraud and it was very embarrassing for the left side of politics and, and, you know, probably contributed to Youngkin's win. You know, I think some people like to exaggerate, you know, how bad things are in the US and, you know, to blame this let's go branded thing on that supposedly bad element. But I think it's exaggerated. How bad are things for Biden, though? I mean, his approval rating has fallen. An NBC poll released over the weekend revealed over Mm. 70% of Americans thought the nation was going in the wrong direction. I mean, is Mm. his presidency in real trouble? Well, look, I think it is. I mean, of course, it's only, you know, it's less than one year in. He's got three years to go. But his approval rating, which is what, you know, most of the networks and most of the analysts over here look at all the time, is now at the worst level of any president at the same stage of his presidency. So only Donald Trump is worse. So I think on Saturday, Biden's approval rating was 39%. And I think at the same time in Trump's presidency, his was about 35 36%. So it's actually not that far off. Biden's not, I mean, he's nowhere near as divisive a character, obviously, as Donald Trump. But on the same note, he doesn't kind of inspire any of the passion amongst uh, the left side of politics either. And so I think when, you know, when events aren't going great, I mean, he doesn't really have a core group of supporters who are out there cheering for him. You know, you've just seen this, you know, the steady decline, which actually stemmed from the withdrawal of Afghanistan. Actually, mm. that's, you know, that's when we saw the first big drop from, from you know, more than 50% approval to the mid 40s. And then it's just fallen pretty much continually since. What do you think have been his biggest wins and his biggest losses? Is the, is the biggest win the $1.2 billion infrastructure deal? Is the biggest misstep being the Afghanistan withdrawal? What, what do you think have been the biggest wins and losses? Yeah, look, I mean, certainly in a short-term sense, I think the biggest loss is obviously the Afghanistan withdrawal. I mean, even though I actually defended it massively in the Australian and I still think it was the right thing to do and it's been exaggerated how bad it was. I mean, I think in the long term it was the right thing to do. Certainly the short term, it's not been great for his political standing. 
that's very, very clear in the polls. In terms of his victories, political victories, it's probably too early to tell yet whether this big infrastructure, the $1.2 trillion that was passed last week through the Congress, whether that's going to help him that much. I mean, it's a grab bag of extra money for, you know, for trains and roads and ports and things, which will take, you know, years and years to come to fruition, you know, for anyone to actually see the difference. But nevertheless, it made a big bang in US politics, I suppose. The other win probably, you know, was still earlier in the year where, he introduced a massive second stimulus payment for American families, which has been extremely popular. That's now ended, but it was very popular. If in the next few months there's no big surge in COVID again, then I think the US will finally be over this. You know, then the president can say that it's over. They've won, if you like, that they've defeated COVID. But they still can't say that. You know, There's still 70,000 cases a day in the US every day. You know, It's still around. Going back to the Let's Go Brandon meme, the other player here, of course, is that 28-year-old NASCAR driver, Brandon Brown, and he'd only had his very first win in his category when that now infamous interview went to air. He was a driver apparently already struggling to get some sponsorship deals, and this apparently hasn't played out too well for him. He hasn't been able to get any marketing or sponsorship really since then. People haven't wanted to touch him. Strange. That actually surprises me because Mm. I... I, um I mean, I thought that, you know, that he'd make a fortune out of this. You know, maybe that's because, you know, the people that kind of strike sponsorship deals are, you know, are not of the Republican politics persuasion, I would say. But I think isn't the NASCAR sort of culture fairly right wing? I mean, I'm surprised that 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 community hasn't rallied around him and made him some kind of hero out of this, given the, the political points that the right has won from this. Yeah, look, it is really surprising. I, you know, I think he's just got a bad agent. That'd be that'd be my advice. I mean, this is a this is a big country with lots of money in it, so, so I'm sure there's some money out there that would like it. Yeah, yeah, no, I should reach out on Insta or something. Send him a message. Do it. <laughs> Do a profile. <laughs> That was Adam Crichton from The Australian. Um, I noticed, Katrina, that the NASCAR president has distanced their organisation from this divisive political statement. And they've also encouraged the crowd to keep it quiet during TV interviews so something Hmm. like this doesn't happen again. Good luck with that. Yeah, but I don't think that this is going to go away because there's a kernel of truth in this. Biden is actually struggling in the polls and it plays into that whole narrative. Well, yeah, and I think the fact that it's now become intertwined with a lot of these conspiracy theories that left-wing media are are in cahoots aiding the Democrats, a lot of those ideas run very deep in certain parts of the American right and the internet. The culture wars in America sort of have calmed down a little bit since Donald Trump left office, but I think this shows that they're never too far from the surface, those political divisions in America. Tomorrow on The Briefing, have you been getting those really annoying text messages, like you've got a a parcel from DHL coming or some absolute nonsense? Well, we're going to explain what the hell is going on with those messages and what's being done to stop them. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.